you're able, would you please stand for a reading of God's Word? This morning I'll be reading from two different places in the Bible. The first I'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, and then I'll read from Exodus chapter 16. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, this is the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now Exodus chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel at evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them at twilight, you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. There's almost a fog of fear and uncertainty that has settled in on our Western world. It's almost like our, our new baseline is this kind of low level anxiety. Do you feel that way? That has set everyone on edge and, and, and filled every one of us with this kind of uncertainty because the things that we had once taken for granted no longer seem certain anymore. And, and so it fills us with questions and causes us to wonder, how are things going to turn out for us? Because the things that we once held true, like peace in our world and health and prosperity, ha have now been shaken for us. And we wonder, are they, are they true anymore? And, and so I wonder, what do you worry about? 
when you find yourself awake in the middle of the night, what questions flood your heart and mind? Questions like, what does the future hold? What's going to happen to our children and their children? What's going to happen the next several years with our economy? Who's going to lead our country after November? God, what is it that you're doing and, and why have you allowed this to happen? You see, our uncertainties give rise to questions and these questions cause us to grumble, to complain, and to wonder, where is God? What is he doing? And to those questions, Jesus has given us a weapon. In the middle of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus has equipped us with a simple and profound prayer that answers every fear and every doubt. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. On its surface, it seems like a simple prayer. A prayer to ask that God would provide for our every need. And that's certainly what it is. But what I want you to see this morning is that there in the shadows of this prayer for daily bread is a story. It's the true story of God providing for his people as they wandered through the wilderness. It's the story of the Exodus and God giving his people manna. And so this morning as we continue our series through the Sermon on the Mount, I want us to turn our attention to the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus, and the story of God graciously and daily providing for his people, even when they had lost faith. Because their story is our story. And in this story, there's a promise that teaches us what it means to truly pray for daily bread. So the first thing I want you to know, I want you to know that when we pray for daily bread, we're learning to pray with dependence. So I want you to look with me, Exodus 16, verse 1. It's there in your bulletin, or you can take the Blue Pew Bible in front of you or open up your own Bible. We're going to spend most of our time in Exodus 16 this morning, as well as some other moments in the rest of the Old Testament, as well as the Gospel of John. So I want you to stick with us. And if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. We'd love for you to take that Bible home with you. The book of Exodus is a rescue story. It's the true story of God redeeming his people out of slavery in Egypt. They had become subject to a brutal dictator in Pharaoh. And God, by his grace and power, rescued them through his servant Moses. And so if you've grown up around church, you've, you've probably heard the story but how God sent 12 plagues and parted the Red Sea and redeemed his people and then led them through the wilderness. So I want you to look with me, Exodus 16, verse 1. We're told that they set out from Elam and all the congregation of the people came to the wilderness of sin. 
Now, as you imagine God's people wandering through the wilderness, I don't want you to imagine them wandering through the Yosemite Valley. This is not that kind of wilderness. God's people are not wandering around a forest where there's lakes and streams and waterfalls and deer and things to kill and eat. The wilderness of sin was a desert wasteland. It was dry and arid, and it did not take long for the people of God to begin to complain, even though God had just rescued them. I want you to look at me at verse 2. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. If you've brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So here's what's going on. They've just been rescued out of Egypt. They've just been redeemed from a brutal dictator in slavery. And now that they're wandering through the wilderness, they're beginning to lose hope. And they've forgotten what God has done. And now they're beginning to complain and grumble and they're questioning God and his providence. And they're saying, wouldn't it be better for us to go back? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to slavery? Yes, we were subject to this hands of the evil dictator Pharaoh, but at least then we could eat food. And we had meat pots and we could eat bread to the full. But here we are in the wilderness and you've given us nothing. And we're just going to die out here. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? I mean, God had just miraculously rescued them out of Egypt. And now just because they're hungry, they question all of that. They want to go back. They want to go back to Egypt, back to slavery. But you and I are no different, are we? You see, as we wander through the wilderness that is this human life, this side of heaven, and we experience disappointment, and we experience hardship, we experience griefs of many kinds, and in those moments we grumble and complain and we question the providence of God and we say, wasn't it better before you? At least before you, I could do what I want. It felt like I had more control then. Have you ever felt that way? That when we face hardship, it causes us to, to not only question God and to grumble, but to distance ourselves from him. And to say, wasn't life better before on my own? And perhaps some of you that describes the way that you see your relationship with God this morning. That you are living a life independently from God. For some of you, perhaps you've even staked your claim. You said, you know what, God, if you're going to be that way, if that's what you're going to give me, then forget it. I want no part of you. Others of you, maybe it's more subtle. Maybe it's right now as you just reflect on the last several months or years you look at your life and say, it's been pretty prayerless. And not simply because you've gotten out of the habit, but in, in a subtle way, you've distanced yourself from God. 
and you're living independently from him. But here's why our independence from God is so dangerous. Because independence is just an illusion. And the more that you live life independently from God, you will become more dependent on the things of this world. And just like the people of Israel, you will return to things that enslave you. This is why give us this day our daily bread is such a powerful prayer. Because it reminds us of who God is. It reminds us of what he has done. That he has given us everything. And that today, in this moment, with whatever you face, he will give you every single thing that you need. It's what he did with the people of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness. Why don't you look with me, verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, that the people should go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. The book of Exodus tells us that God, by his grace, met the complaint and grumbling and questions of Israel with bread. Literally, he gave them daily bread, a miracle every single morning. Every morning he would send dew to the camp. And when the dew evaporated, it left this flaky white substance that they called manna, which literally in Hebrew means, what is it? Because they literally had no idea what it was. And each day they would gather enough for the day. It was literally their daily bread. So much so that if they gathered more than a day's worth, that the leftovers would spoil the next day. Why? Because God was teaching them what it means to be truly dependent. You see, when things are going well for us, we move from complaining to claiming the providence of God for ourselves. We become glory thieves. And we say, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look at all that I have gotten for myself. And so the book of Deuteronomy actually reflects on the story of manna and tells us why God sent them daily bread in the first place. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. And God humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone but lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God sent them bread for the day to teach them daily dependence, to teach them that he alone is the provider, that he is the giver of all things and that nothing happens outside of his good and perfect providence and that this is actually a grace for us. And so praying, give us this day our daily bread is a reminder that we do not live independent lives. But the truth is we are dependent. And in that dependence, you will either turn back to the slavery of this world or you will turn to the one, the only one who can truly give you everything that you need. 
But you see, Deuteronomy chapter 8 doesn't end there, but it continues to tell us why God gave them daily bread. I want you to listen. Verse 11. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you've eaten and are full and have built good houses and live with them, you will forget who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know. That he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my own hand has gotten this wealth. God gave them manna to teach them who is ultimately in charge. And when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are reorienting ourselves Reminding ourselves that not only God and his grace and mercy will give us everything that we need. But also being lovingly reminded of who is ultimately in control. That there is nothing that we possess that we can claim mine. Nothing that we have that we could say, look what I did. Look what I got for myself because I earned it. Or I deserve it. But everything that we have has been given by God in his grace and mercy each and every day because he loves us and because out of his providence, God is our good and gracious provider. It's the second thing I want you to know, that when we pray for daily bread, not only are we praying with dependence, but we're learning to pray with contentment. I want you to look with me at verse 6. Exodus 16, verse 6. We're told that Moses and Aaron said to all the people, at evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land in Egypt. In other words, you didn't do it, God did. In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? You see, at the core of our worry and our fear and our doubt is discontentment. See, because the people of Israel, the people of God, they didn't just question God and his providence, but they complained. They grumbled against him. And so children, I want to see your faces this morning and I want you to be honest with me, okay? I'm not kidding. I want you to be honest. Have you ever complained about your dinner? I'm serious. Have you done it? You have, haven't you? I know you have because I do too sometimes. You ever complain about what your parents have given you to eat? That as they set a table before you, because they love you, and they care for you, and you know, they know what nutrients your growing body needs. Have you ever looked at that plate and said, ew, I don't want that. And you say, well, if you're a parent, you say, well, you've never tried it before. And then the child says, well, it's green. <laughs> and I know from experience, every green thing is terrible. And not that this happens in my house at all. But children, have you ever said, well, it's, I'm not complaining against you, mom or dad. I just don't like what you gave me. But if you're a parent and you spent the 
waning energy and hours of your evening preparing a meal for your child and all they do is throw it back in your face. (laughs) How does it make you feel? You see, this is what the people of Israel had done. God had graciously provided for them, had rescued them, and now he was graciously giving them everything that they needed and yet they grumbled and they complained They were discontent. Why? The book of Numbers tells us. And reflecting on the story of manna, Numbers 11 verse 4 tells us that the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel wept and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt. It cost nothing and the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But now our strength is dried up. There is nothing but this manna to look at. This manna. They had forgotten Pharaoh. They had forgotten slavery. And all they could remember was their craving. You see, our discontentments reveal our true cravings. They didn't complain about manna just because they didn't like it. They complained because they craved something else. Child doesn't complain about green beans just because they don't like it. It's because they love cake. And that's what they would rather have. When we are discontent, it reveals that we have strong cravings for something other than what God has already given us. So let me ask you this morning, are you content? Are you satisfied with your life and what God has provided for you? Or if you're like me or like the people of God wandering in the wilderness, do you find yourself wanting more sometimes? Maybe you want a bigger house. Maybe you want more money in your investments so you can have greater security. Maybe you want certainty that your kids are going to turn out all right. Whatever it is that you're not content with, it reveals what you crave. And some of those cravings are right and good. But God has is and will give us everything that we need. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, your bread is better. It's better than the cravings that I I have in my heart and soul for all of these things, these lesser things that will just enslave me. It says his bread is better. So it's no wonder that Jesus, later in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, says, Therefore, do not be anxious. Don't worry. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying, don't worry. Don't worry about the cravings that you have. Even the Gentiles crave for those things. But instead, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. In other words, crave the kingdom of God. 
Because not only will God provide for our every need in this life, but he has given us his own kingdom for eternity. And so why would you, why would you in your unbelief and your complaining and discontentment and your sinful pursuit of lesser things, why would you go back to Egypt? Why would you go back to slavery? So the third and final thing I want you to know is that not only are we praying with contentment when we pray for daily bread, that we ultimately, what we are doing is we're praying with trust. I want you to look with me, Exodus 16, verse 11. How did God respond to all of Israel's independence, their discontentment, their questions, their grumbling, their complaint? How did God respond to them pushing the food that he prepared for them back in his face and saying, I don't want any of that? He responded to their faithlessness with faith. And each and every day as his people complained, God set the table again and again and again. And he gave them daily bread. Look with me, verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Why? Why did God respond to Israel's faithlessness with his faithfulness? Why does he meet our own doubts and discontentments with grace? Because that's who he is. Because he wants us not only to provide for us, but he wants to bring us back to himself. Look with me at the end of verse 12. You will be filled with bread then. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. The daily bread that God gave his people wasn't just physical provision. But the daily bread that he gave was himself as the provider. Each and every day being steadfast in his covenant faithfulness. Even when his people complained, even when they doubted, even when they threw it back in his face, he was there and he gave them daily bread. This is exactly what he has done for his people and it is still what he is doing for you and me. And so whatever complaint you have against the Lord, whatever way you feel let down or disappointed, Whatever grief that you bear today, God is meeting you with daily bread. And so praying, give us this day our daily bread, is not just a petition, but it's a prayer of faith and the promise of God that he will meet our grumblings and complaint and even our sin with grace. Many years later, people found themselves hungry again. An entire crowd had gathered, some 5,000 people. And they too were hungry. They weren't sure where they were going to get bread or food. 
And the disciples who followed Jesus didn't know how they were going to feed them either. And so Jesus, the Son of God, in his power and providing grace, took just two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread and fed 5,000 people. It was a miracle. Once again, God miraculously giving his people daily bread. The Gospel of John tells us that the next day the crowd is so bewildered. Wondering who is this man that can feed 5,000 people with two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread that they went and chased him across the sea. They were seeking after him and in John chapter 6 verse 30, this is what they said to him. Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness and he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see, their wheels are turning. They're remembering the old stories, how their forefathers had been miraculously and graciously provided bread and how this had just happened for them. Except there's this man who did it before their very eyes. And so they're coming to him and they're saying, are you, are you like that? Are you like Moses? Can you do the same thing for us? And Jesus responds, verse 32, he says, Truly I say to you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread. Moses didn't do it. It was God. And so they look at Jesus and they respond. They say, Sir, give us this bread always. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So here's my question for you this morning. What do you really believe? What do you really believe about God and the way that he relates to you? You see, because in our prayer, our belief and our doubt is exposed. It's that place where everything that we want to be true about God and our future collides with our current and present circumstance. And in that place, my question for you is what do you really believe? You see, because there is a big difference between just believing that there is a God and trusting him. And if this morning your faith, your Christian faith, you would summarize it like this, that all that it is is that you simply believe that there is a God and that he is existed. And you've checked that box over and against other religions and explanations of the world. Then I want you to know that your faith is just at a surface level. And when it collides with the hardship of wandering in the wilderness of life, you will find yourself prayerlessness. Because there's a big difference between simply believing there is a God and trusting him. Because when we pray, it's not simply, I believe that you can do all things. But it's also saying, I trust that you can do all things and that you can do them for me and for my good. 
the very first question in the Bible came from Satan. Did God really say? Genuine faith says he did say. His promises can be trusted. And when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're not only praying for the provision, but we're saying that we trust the provider. A month or so ago, I shared the story of a poet named Jane Marzuski. She went by the name of Nightbird. She died February 19th this last year at the age of 31 after battling cancer for four years. You may have come across her story, but in one of her final journal entries, she talked about what it looked like for her to pray in the midst of suffering. I want you to listen to some of what she wrote. She wrote, I am God's downstairs neighbor, banging on the ceiling with a broomstick. I show up at his door every day, sometimes with songs, sometimes with curses, sometimes apologies, gifts, questions, demands. Sometimes I use my key under the mat to let myself in. Other times I sulk outside until he opens the door to let me in. I've called him a cheat and a liar, and I meant it. I've told him I wanted to die, and I meant it. Tears have become the only prayer I know. Prayers roll over my nostrils and drip down my forearms. They fall to the ground as I reach for him. These are the prayers I repeat night and day, sunrise, sunset. I look hard for the answers to the prayers that I didn't pray. I look for the mercy bread that he promised to bake fresh for me each morning. The Israelites called it manna, which means what is it? That's the same question I'm asking again and again. There's mercy here somewhere, but what is it? What is it? What is it? Even on days when I'm not so sick, sometimes I go lay on the mat in the afternoon light and listen for him. I know it sounds crazy and I can't really explain it, but God is in there even now. I've heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough, and it's true. If you can't see him, look lower because God is on the bathroom floor. That's a prayer of trust. A prayer that says in any circumstance, God can be trusted. That yes, in joy, but also in sorrow, he gives us daily bread. How do we know? Because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You see, God didn't just give us daily bread. He is our daily bread in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did not just provide physical bread, but he gave up himself. And even when we complained, even when we grumbled, even when our lives turning back to the slavery of sin, join with the crowds that day and yell, crucify him. Jesus, the bread of life, laid his life down on the cross for you and for me. And he said, I'm giving you myself. I am your daily bread. 
And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are praying nothing less that Jesus would be enough for us today. Because he is more than enough. He has given us everything in himself. And one day he will come again to make all things new until that day comes. Each day, dependently, with great gratitude in our hearts, we pray a prayer of trust. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, may that prayer be true of us. Would you cultivate in us daily dependence? That we would not depend on the lesser things of this world, but that, Lord, you would help us draw us back to you. Would you do by your grace and mercy what you did for your people wandering in the wilderness, Lord? Would you bring us back to yourself in the way that you provide every good and perfect gift? And help us to see that all of these things point to you, Jesus, as our daily bread. And so, Lord, help us not simply to believe that you exist. Lord, help us to trust you. To trust that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And that surely, Jesus, if you've given us yourself, how could you not graciously give us all things? And so, Lord Christ, be our daily bread today that we might find satisfaction in seeking your kingdom above all other things. We ask that you would do this for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and respond with singing.